0: welcome to the Rockbrook church podcast our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey we love hearing how god is working in your life feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story so glad you're here glad we get to spend part of the day together what a beautiful day wonderful weekend Uh, Just some weekends, I'm just even more grateful than others, so we get to do this thing called church together, and I want to welcome those watching online. 1015, come on, would you welcome everybody watching online today? What's up? Uh, We've got even more sometimes, uh, sometimes twice as many people watching or listening on Monday uh, than on Sunday. Come on, who knows sometimes you just need a little church on a Monday, right? So... (laughs) Hello Monday people and uh, uh, we're in this summer series called Rethinking Your Life and the big premise of this series is that what we think about matters, it it matters even more than we think it does. What we think determines uh, what we feel, what we do, we shape our thoughts, our thoughts shape the rest of our lives. So we want to learn to think like Uh, The king of all kings, the one who did it better than ever, we want to think like Jesus Christ. Of course, we want to be rejecting lies, believing things that are true, thinking things that are true. There is, my youth pastor used to say, there's nothing more powerful than the truth. That your greatest friend in life is the truth. That God is truth. A quote from C.S. Lewis He says, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God, which will make him happy. And I don't know if there's any place this applies more than in relationships, that when we step out of what God wants for us, that God's truth for relationships, we're left Very unhappy. You've felt it. You've experienced it. You've got family and friends who've experienced it. As a pastor, I see it all the time of people coming back to God after they tried something other than God to make them happy. And uh, there's a a section of scripture that really sets this up wonderfully. It's in Romans chapter one in the New Testament uh, that it sets up where we're going, that there's a group of people who they knew God but they wouldn't worship him as god and this word worship doesn't mean that they wouldn't come on sunday to church and sing it means that they like his worth ship they would not ascribe to him the worth that he deserves they would not put god above themselves instead uh, their approach was well i don't know if i agree with that I, i don't know if i'm gonna do that and i i don't know i don't know if i believe that and the, the question of this, the question of God's worth is this. Do you think God has the right to decide what's right and wrong? Do you think God has the right to say what's right and wrong? And if you don't think he has the right to say what's right and wrong, <laughs> well, guess who God is? <laughs> you. You're the God. And so this generation that they knew him but they wouldn't worship him that way or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. We did a whole series earlier this year on getting to know God, what God is really like because otherwise you begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like and as a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise so that we know better we're smarter, we're a progressive generation. They instead became utter fools. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God, say this word with me, for a lie. And truth be known, all I'm gonna do today is dispel some lies with the truth. Because all I can do is combat what the devil tries to do in our lives. The devil has no power over you he simply suggests something that is not true that the devil can't make you do anything but he can suggest he can tempt he can tempt you when God suggests a thought that's called inspiration when the enemy suggests a thought that's called temptation and and if we believe the temptation if we believe the lies They end up in our minds, they end up in our hearts, and they end up in our relationships. They affect the things around us. And honestly, if you let it, it'll play itself out and life itself will end up convincing you. So today we're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about how this happens in relationships. And when it comes to relationships, one of the thesis statements that I have for you You've probably heard me say this before, but if you're taking notes, write this down. In order for relationships to work, let the one who designed them define them. Like the creator gets to say what the creation does. He knows best. He created you. He knows how it works best. And today we're gonna just walk through the issue issue of sexuality in our moral standard. And this is a tough one. I know it puts a lot of people on edge. But the world's not afraid to talk about it. Good grief. Now, it doesn't have to get graphic or uncomfortable. We're going to keep it very much in order today. But sometimes we think the message from God when it comes to sexuality is don't, 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 don't do that. Like it's just a bunch of thou shalt nots. You know, sex is dirty, ugly, and bad. Save it for the one you love. Like that's the message that we have. There's gonna be times that stuff's funny but you won't feel like laughing today and that's fine with me, whatever. but <laughs> and we think everything is about thou shalt not when the truth about it is there are scores of verses that say thou shalt do and it's wonderful. In fact, one time a Sunday, a new believer came up to me with this Bible, he started reading his Bible, and he goes, Ryland, do you know what's in here? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I, I do. In fact, let's go to the first place where everything was perfectly the way it should be and the way God wanted it. God created man and woman, put them in the Garden of Eden. The word Eden means pleasure and delight. Like when God had things the way he wanted them, it was a pleasure And a delight. He's a good God. It was a delightful place with no shame. It was a place where everything that the human body and relationship could enjoy was being enjoyed and until the lies of the devil came in. Until the lies of the devil entered, and we believed the lies of the devil and it ruined it. We'll look at Genesis 3. And you see these lies that I'm going to show you today throughout Scripture. The progression in Genesis 3, though, is just so clear. I'll show you these five lies, five lies. I must have been thinking about hamburgers while putting this together. Not five guys, five lies. I love me some five guys. I hate it, actually, when one of my favorite restaurants comes into town. It's just too close and too dangerous. Like, do you know how close five guys is to my office, people? That's (laughs) another sermon, actually. But the enemy came... The enemy came in the form of a serpent and now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, "Here's the first lie. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden?" The woman said to the serpent, uh, "We ate, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden." And you must not touch it or you will certainly die. Next lie. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Next lie. For God knows your eyes will be opened. So God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And here's the next lie. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some and ate it she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it then the eyes of both of them were opened here's the fifth lie and they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves they wanted to hide shame and hiding and this is where a lot of people are they are in shame and hiding By the way, the next few verses are absolutely beautiful as they run out of the presence of God, try to hide from God. God enters the scene, chasing after them, pursuing them, calling out, where are you? And today what's gonna happen in this message is there's gonna be times and moments where you feel shame and hiding, but you'll hear the voice of God calling out, I'm still here, where are you? God still loves you, he's still pursuing you today. Uh, So don't check out early, don't leave early, don't stop listening early to this one. In Genesis three, there were five lies I wanna expose today, and they actually happen in steps. So the first feeds the second, the second feeds the third, the third, the fourth, to the fifth, which is an incredibly dangerous place to be. And it's where some of us are today. But it starts with step one, where the devil gets us to question God's word and the lie is that God's word isn't totally true so it's not totally it's not totally true for today or uh it's a metaphor like the this stuff was is it's just symbolism it didn't really happen or it's not reliable and the first bait we take whenever we fall into this struggle with our sin is God's word isn't really God's word and usually We feel this most when there is something that we don't agree with or something that a family member doesn't agree with. Because there are things in God's word that challenge and confront us. There are things in God's word that challenge and confront me. God's word is constantly calling me to a place I am not. And there's a dilemma every time that happens. Do, do I move God's word to me and have it fit me? Or do I move me to fit what God's word says and do I move me to the stand? Like who's the standard? Am I the standard and I'm gonna move God over to me or is God the standard and will I move to him? And if you're in this place where you'd say, well, I don't think I can buy into that. I don't think I agree with that. It's supposed to be that way god's word confronts us it's transforming us it's moving us to a higher standard of godliness and if you let it it will transform you if you move yourself from that place to the standard of god your life will be better in the long run there's a place in the new testament where paul who was an apostle uh, meaning he, the apostle paul mean he's planting churches and he's being inspired by the holy spirit to write letters to these churches and uh, some of those letters make up much of the New Testament. And Paul was celebrating Christians in, in one letter for believing God's word. And every time I come to this place in scripture, I'm like, let's just, let's just be that church. Let's be the, these people that regardless of what happens in culture and society, we're going to follow God. And as long as I stand in this place of leadership, let God be true and every man be a liar. Because watch what happens. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but actually as it is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. So God's word works. It only works if you receive it, accept it, believe it. It doesn't have that working power until you came to that place. It confronts you. If it confronts you, it's supposed to. So for these five steps today, five points, I'll give you the, the step, the lie that the enemy is telling, a Bible verse, and then a truthful response. Something to chew on. So four things for each of the five points. And the, the response to chew on for this one is simply this quote from Pastor Timothy Keller. If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of, Of yourself. So I follow God wholeheartedly, believe wholeheartedly, even though there's times God's Word confronts me. That does not cut against it being the Word of God. The fact that it disagrees with some of my natural tendencies does not cut, if anything, it's even more proof that it is the Word of God, that I did not make it, it is making me. Because if it's of God, it's gonna confront every culture, every society, every person at some level on something, right? But if I buy into the first slide that God's word isn't totally true, the next thing that happens is step two, the devil scoffs at the negative consequences of sin. Oh, you will not certainly die. Like, are you sure? You can eat this, you can watch this, you can do this. That choice won't hurt anything. And how many times do we hear it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you don't hurt anybody it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're not hurting anybody it's the lie that that that's not gonna hurt anything and the enemy says trust me you can do it no one will know the difference and instead of magnifying the consequences of sin The enemy minimizes and scoffs at the negative consequences. That's why in scripture it says there's a way that it appears to be right, but in the end it does. It leads to death. And this is why I don't feel any pressure to convince you of this today. Life will do it for you. Like, we'll leave the light on, you'll be back. Because we all have this tendency to go our own way. We're prone to wander. We are sheep who are prone to wander. And we believe lies from time to time. But let the, the one who defined sexuality, God created it. God knows all about it. He created it. He didn't see Adam and Eve and go, what in the world, what are they doing? Didn't see that coming, oh my goodness. Oh, I, God, what is going on here? <laughs> let the one who created it for good, he also, he created it, He also created the parameters. I'll give you this illustration. I love a good fire, but you can't build one anywhere. It's gotta be in a fire pit or a fireplace. It's gotta be in the right environment for it to be a good thing. And nothing damages your emotions more than sexual sin. God made you to be a sexual being. He made you a woman or he made you a man, and God says that's good. It's good for men to be men, women to be women. And in the right environment, a sexual relationship between the two, like fire is essential. But if you let it out of the fireplace, it's your worst day. It'll destroy everything you own. We had a worship team gathering uh, once where, uh, we had all the worship team at one place at one time and uh, it, was, it was great. And Pastor Chris Brown, our worship pastor, wanted to do something to uh, just help people get to know one another, kind of a new icebreaker. And so he had everyone bring a childhood toy and show the group a, a toy from their childhood. And uh, it was hilarious and just a lot of fun and lots of, go- I brought a goofy thing my uncle gave me once and there was Alf showing up and the A-team and uh, lots of things and if you need like a new fun icebreaker for your small group or something fresh, it was a fun thing. But there are two members of the worship team who when they were teenagers uh, lost their house to a house fire, two different members of the worship team and it destroyed everything they owned like they didn't have they had to bring like a picture of something or a replica for of something that they had remade and you could just hear the devastation of that the pain in that to lose everything and we've seen the destruction of wildfires in California and Australia and different areas of the nation that's not the only Wildfire going on. There's a wildfire going through our culture, our families, our government, our churches, because we have forgotten that passions need parameters. That God wants to spare you this pain. And passions can be enjoyed to the fullest if you'll let the one who designed it define it. One man, one woman in a covenant relationship called marriage. One man, one woman in marriage. That's the fireplace, that's the parameter. And there are a lot of things outside of that parameter that the enemy says, that's not gonna hurt you, that's fine. There's a lot of things outside of that parameter our world says is fine. And I'm not gonna list them one, I'm not gonna go through a laundry list because it's not about any single one of them. At the same time, it's about all the ones of those that God says, you're gonna get burned and I don't want you to get burned then it feeds into this next step that if you buy the lie that it's not hurting anything, it's gonna go to the next step where the enemy says, the reason God wants you to do, God, the, the reason God's trying to keep you from that thing is because God's actually bad. And step three is the devil accuses God of evil intent. That God's not for you, he's against you. And the lie is righteousness, well, that's useless, that's boring sin is benefit like sin is fun and sin is fun it's why we do it the bible even says that that there's an instant gratification and that's what draws us but it always turns to a dark place in scripture it's called the fleeting pleasures of sin the fleeting pleasures of sin when i was high school and college age i got to lead worship for celebrate recovery and i led worship for CR every Wednesday night for five years and it was beautiful it was amazing one reason was because as I was being tempted with fleeting pleasures of sin every Wednesday night I'd show up and see the end result of that sin and it was beautiful as people would come back to God and I learned so much about grace and second chances and the redeeming power of God it was so faith-building That I just, because of that experience, I don't see people as too far gone. God has the redeeming power of God. I believe everyone in their Rockbrook experience needs to experience CR and just let God peel back the yesterdays. But as, as a young man, I learned to not even touch a lot of stuff because the truth of where it would end up The end of the dominoes was just so clear in my mind that I got to see that God has the best ways. People would offer me stuff. Not only was the answer no, I was so passionate. I could talk them out, knock it off. Like, do you see where this is going? Because every testimony would start with, well, when I was in high school, I did this one thing this one time and it opened the door and I couldn't close the door again. Or I went away to college and this Happened, or this entered into my life. And once it entered in, it was so hard to get it out. And so it was just because of those stories, it was easier for me to not start a whole lot of things. And it was clear that God has the best of intentions in mind. And I praise God for those honest people uh, who lovingly shared their stories and let God transform them and find a new way that they loved so much, Pro, or Psalm 16:11 says, "You will show me the path of life. In your presence, it's in your presence, God, that there's fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures, but they're not fleeting. They're forevermore. And I fully believe that when you follow God's prescription, that you can experience relationships you can experience intimacy marital intimacy that mankind cannot create no drug can create it nothing god is the best way and when god calls you to that out of something else to that like some some people say god's mean like why god just needs to love everybody some people actually think they love people more than god does some people actually believe they're better than god Well, if I were God, I would say you're just fine just the way you are. You can be anyone, anything you want to be, do whatever you want to do. And the truth is the most loving thing God does is call us out of our sin. Absolutely. He's protecting, he's guiding, he's loving that when I keep my young son from touching the fireplace, when I call him out to back up from that place, I do it because I love my child. I would hate for him to get burned. But if we buy into the lie that God isn't doing what's best, uh, we'll begin to fall for step four. And step four is the devil not only does not only this not hurt you, he advertises sin as beneficial. Like, it's not even that it's okay, it's better. And, and we think our life will be better with us leading it. Like, I know best. I know what's best to do with my money. I know what's best to do with my body. I know what's best to do with my decisions. And we buy into the idea that our leadings and our feelings can be trusted. But you can't trust your own feelings. If I followed my feelings, I would not be your pastor. Like, church, we don't follow feelings, it's the whole point. We follow faith. <laughs> We follow God, we follow convictions. Jesus says, come to me, follow me. Choices lead, the feelings will follow. You make the right choice first, your feelings will catch up. Start with having a life that's surrendered to the Lord that says, I don't even belong to me. I have died to myself. That I don't, it's not even my choice to make. That I'm gonna follow his way. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Here's the truth response that I wanna give you to the slide, that when we make choices, Excuse me, not to watch certain things, not to listen to certain things, uh, not to go certain places, not to do certain things, to believe certain things, to stay away from certain relationships. You'll think at that moment you're making a sacrifice. But you'll see later on you weren't making a sacrifice because giving up something now for something better, that's not called sacrifice. That's called investment. We do this in school, we do the hard work, but later we see it wasn't a sacrifice, it was beneficial. We'll do this with money. We'll take out part of our paycheck to put it in savings or mutual funds or what have you. Later, you see giving up a percentage of your paycheck wasn't sacrifice, it was investing, it was an investment. We'll do this in so many areas of life. Why not relationships? And I just appeal to the young people this weekend that giving up something now for something later, that's not sacrifice. That's good. That's beneficial. That's an investment into your life. Here's the fifth step. That when they actually believed it was beneficial, uh, the devil flipped the script, and now the devil uses sin to create shame that destroys our future relationships and you may be experiencing that today that this voice that says it's too late run and hide and this is where this is right where the enemy wants you and this is my favorite part of the message because some of you feel this shame right now. Uh, you think God is disgusted with you, that he's over here in his holy house just waiting for you to get your act together. And that's not what he does. That's not what he did. He, he actually went out looking for you, lighting up the shadows. This is a lie. It's not too late. Don't run and hide. Look to him for help. Psalm 34, five says, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame. This is the word of the living God will darken their faces. Would you read this verse out loud with me? Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. This is the word of the living God. This is how he responds to you. And, and this is the truth, that when you mess up, God still receives you. Isn't that good, Noel, to know that when you mess up, God still <laughs> receives you? You know, no one in this room, no, no person's fallenness is worse than any other person's fallenness. My fallenness is not any worse than your fallenness. But we're never going to get help until we're honest all right i I wanted to close this way today and invite up noel and and, uh, i've been doing this just long enough to know that there are three possible responses to this sermon today and i don't have all three in front of you you can follow along on the screen for a moment we'll catch up with your notes in a minute but one response is defensiveness that some will do this and you'll say i i hear you but i will do this i was made this way i can be who i want to be i get to make my own choices and god gives you the choice to respond that way but i will tell you that's not thinking like jesus that's thinking like the devil because when the devil fell you can read it in isaiah 14 this worshiping angel fell from heaven because he made three I will statements I will do this I will do this I will do this and when you get to the I wills you're going to fall I would encourage you to think like Jesus he didn't say I will he said your will the night before he went to the cross he was in agony he knelt down he didn't want to go to the he didn't want to go through the torture the suffocation that he don't want nails in his hands he didn't want the beatings but he knelt down in Luke 22 you can read it he says not my will but yours be done a second possible response is remorse meaning pastor I agree with you God I agree with you God's word love it totally in agreement but you got me 10 years too late, I've already made the mistakes, I've had too much fill in the blank, and it's over for me, but you're not too far. And that remorse, that condemnation is actually of the enemy because the devil's the one who says you're too far gone, there's no way out, run and hide. The Bible says, God says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you come under God's word, all these verses get to be true about you too so yeah the ones that confront you that they're difficult they're hard those are true but it's beautiful because there's so many beautiful verses that get to be true about you now too that wouldn't have been true otherwise on your notes again 2 corinthians seven ten gives us the third possible response godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves, no regret. Like end of your life, no regrets. Like I turn to God. Worldly sorrow though, it it doesn't bring that life. It brings death. And if you decide to do do this one, it will, relationships will die, life will die. There is no eternal life in this one. So you can be defensive, uh, which I do not recommend because it's just such a long detour. You can be remorseful. There's no sense in it because God doesn't see you that way. Or your response can be repentance, meaning I'm going to choose to see this the way God does. I'm going to believe the same as God, think the same as God. And now I turn and I let him lead me out of that life of sin. One last response, one last note. is repentance I'll be honest with you today, there is pain in it. To be honest about something you're concealing, uh, to turn on a worldly relationship, there is a moment of pain, but being unrepentant is a lifetime of pain and God so desperately wants to spare you of that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is convicting and it's hopeful. It leads to a worthwhile life and I'm asking you to help the people listening to this to have the courage to get out of the darkness, to get honest, to get away from the lies. If you're far from God and you feel convicted, you wonder today maybe, uh, you wonder, Man, am I even a Christian? Has God saved me? And if you feel like you're carrying some shame on your shoulders you can walk out of this room without it by surrendering your life completely to Jesus he wants to take it he's already paid for it he wants to free you cleanse you he doesn't only cover it he remembers it no more what if you just prayed a prayer of faith right now maybe you're in this room maybe you're watching online maybe you're listening Days or even weeks from now it doesn't matter the circumstance turn to Jesus Christ in your heart and mind pray God Thank you For making a way for me And today I give you my life And I receive great promises from you. I believe Jesus is who he says he is he lived a perfect life that I could not live he died in my place on the cross He rose from the dead, and I want to follow him entirely. I believe he is the way, the truth, and the life. I put my faith in you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.